The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. For the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show, right here in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, uh, on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM on your dial, and 1049 uh, FM on your dial. Phone number here is 520-719-1490. We're talking about fuels. We're talking about recalls. We're talking about everything in the world on the show as usual. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. Along with me is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. And Mr. Super Super Safe Saturday is his tag. And we're we're talking shop. Jim, you back with me? I'm here. I'm here. Never all right, mind. good. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road. They're behind Jiffy Lube and Car Wash. Uh, 744-4454. This is for anything, anybody work, uh, collision repair, anything that you have that has to do with the exterior of that car, they can handle. 744, area code 520-744-4454. Merle's Automotive Machine Shop, they do have one open today for you for the guys that are working on your brakes. And, and or clutch jobs with flywheels. Of course, that's the older vehicles. Um, they're at 15 West Ajo, 520-807-4010. And right now we have Jesse, I won't call his last name, Jesse on the radio. And Jesse is my gasoline guru. I've known Jesse for, oh, God, 35 years. And he's been shooting straight with me ever since he's been, I've known him. So I have no reason to doubt this stuff. Plus, he deals in it every day. That's the reason I wanted to hold him over for the second hour. I do have some questions for him. And gasoline is part of your car. Without it, on most cars right now, without the gasoline and diesel fuel, it don't go anywhere. It just, it just don't go. All right. Jesse, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, it's okay to mention my last name is Lugo, L-U-G-O. I've always have told the media, when you mention my name, make sure you spell it right. Uh, but you're right. I've been in the <laughs> gasoline industry, retail and wholesale, uh, for over four decades now. So I understand the retail side, the wholesale side, 
but uh, unfortunately, we're not finding enough dinosaurs to continue the use because of having to uh, get oil ex- uh, imported from abroad. But the one thing that mm-hmm. I'd like for, to have your listening audience, each and every person, Jerry, that's listened to the, to the show today, everybody's running for for federal office, for Congress, every state office, ask him. I said, and tell him that you're a gasoline consumer and you're paying uh, gasoline taxes for rural rate use. Ask him, what do you plan to do to make sure the electric vehicles also get meters so they pay uh, as as gasoline users do? Just like t- Tucson Electric Power, when you flip your lights on, that meter starts turning, right? And so if you're plugging yeah. in your car, there should be a meter device. Tucson Electric Power then uh, co- uh, does a collection on, on your use. They'll be then the responsible party then to send the funds to the state, so then the monies then are redirected, say, to Tucson or, or whatever municipality. Uh, but, but that's very important, Jerry, because no media uh, coverage is being done, and no politician is skirting the, the issue because all he's here is lip service. We're, we're going we're gonna to look into it and see what we can do. If this is not rocket scientists. All you got to do is meter it, collect the, collect the say, the wattage, uh, the kilowatts that are being used, then they pay their fair share, and that issue should be, you know, very easily, you know, resolved. Uh, so this way everybody's paying to make sure that our road, uh, roads, uh, whether it be neighborhoods or, or uh, major streets, you know, continue to get uh, repaired. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I do. Now I do I want to mention one on... thing, Jerry. We talked briefly about. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, some of the cars that that have intermittent problems, and and certainly uh, Jerry Simmons' uh, repair shop with Wade, uh, your son, does, that operates there. I'd had some submissions with my Chrysler 300, and it had a erratic number one misfire, but had some other codes. Uh, being a former fully certified AC technician, you know, it's just a matter of. Uh, of elimination, so I told Wade, you know what, Wade, uh, do you have the capability of wiping the memory off a computer and reprogram it? Say, yeah, they did that, and guess what, Jerry? <laughs> when they when when they plugged in, I, I think Wade told me they had like 34 errors, right, on it, and oh that God. that were embedded into it, but uh, without having a professional or uh, business like like Jerry Simmons uh, repair shop. To be able then to interface, remove those codes, and then reprogram it—that's probably one of the things that that I, I as a consumer, would say. If you're having intermittent problems, take you to Jerry Simmons uh, Repair Shop or some of the other repair shops that that are your sponsors on your show. Uh, that's that's be one thing that uh, that without speaking from experience, what happened to me, and certainly I appreciate what Simmons. Uh, uh, car repair did for my Chrysler 300, and it fixed up many, many problems that I was having drivability problems that the, that the dealership could not could not repair for many years. Oh my gosh! Well, thanks for the kind words. Appreciate that. Yeah, Brian Fuller at Automotive Specialist can do this stuff too. If you're well on the west side, and then you got Parker Automotive Midtown at 5101 East Speedway is very good at that. Also, that's a reason. They're, they are they are allowed to sponsor the show because you know if something happens the first person who gets a phone call is me and uh, I just I pick the ones and my easiest answer has always been 
if you've got a problem with either Brian Fuller, the automotive specialist, or you've got a problem with uh, Parker Automotive at Parker Automotive over on Speedway, uh, first thing I'm going to ask you, have you talked to them or are you just mad? And 99% of the time, they're just confused. It's communications. Communications with these late model cars is as critical as having the oil changed. I mean, you have to be able to communicate with the technician and these garages in order to give them an update on what's going on. Don't be afraid to call them. Don't be afraid to call them. You know, fear is false evidence appearing real. And that is exactly what's happened to the automotive industry. We went from a, I can diagnose it when you pull into the front parking lot to, uh, well, we can't. There's too many things that handle, that has the same symptoms, but there's so many different computers on there and there, we have to, we have to find it before we can fix it. So that's just like anything else. It's just like search and rescue. You can't patch it if you can't find it. Yeah, but thank you for the That when the uh, Tucson Street Riders uh, Association had their car show at Pima Community College downtown uh, this past uh, uh, April, and I had not taken a uh-huh. tour of the Pima College Automotive Technology uh, Center there. And so I did. So, you know, the I'm looking around and okay, where's all these oscilloscopes that I used to have two of them? Uh, one was uh, a bear, and the other one was. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Allen scope, so so you were able then to interface with the car and look at at the different type of uh, screens on it to diagnose cars. So I asked one of the instructors, uh, "Where's your scopes?" I said, "Oh, you're from old school. Oh, we don't have those anymore. So how do you diagnose cars?" I said, "He brings out this uh, handheld instrument box and it was a snap-on." He said, "What's that do?" Mm-hmm. Right? He said, "Well." They replaced all those big scopes. I said, how much are those? 10000 I said, wow. I said, boy, it, it took all these years to come up with new technology. And back when I had my service, I had two pieces of equipment. I had $120,000 invested into that type of equipment, right? But that's one thing that consumers uh, may not understand, that not only the technology that changed, but the equipment that technicians need nowadays and, and tools, right, to actually be able to diagnose the car right the first time and then give an estimate to, to the customer. So that's why it's very important to customers, especially do-it-yourselfers, uh, just hit and go, buy parts and put them on. On the long run, you're going to save yourself a lot of money by taking to a professional operation like uh, Simmons Automotive or the other shops that, that sponsor your show to, uh, to yeah. make sure that the car gets fixed right the first time and, and and put money back in your pocket. Well, you know these cars—they're driving them longer now, Jess. Yeah. And uh, up to twelve, over twelve years, they're keeping the cars. And right now, with the price of vehicles out there on the market, both used and new, is still up there pretty heavy. And the problem or the issue with buying a pre-owned vehicle is you don't know why the people actually traded it in. Maybe they just wanted a new car. Don't know. But for the ones that are buying these pre-owned vehicles, be sure to take them in to your favorite shop and get that thing checked from a back bumper to the front bumper and everything under it and everything under the hood. 
Everything in the undercarriage and everything on the hood needs to be inspected. And if it's got a runnability problem, you need to slap a computer on it and see if they can give you a quick uh, version of what may be going on and give you an idea of what kind of money it's going to take after you pay 10000 or 20000 for this used vehicle. What kind of money are you going to have to pay to put that thing back on the road under your rear end that will have it dependable and get where you're going? You need a safe, dependable vehicle. I don't care what you buy. So be sure and just do diligence and get that second opinion because a lot of time we get hung up on how pretty it is. I have seen one of the prettiest Chevy Blazers roll into the shop. It was gorgeous until we got it up on the lift and started looking at parts that moving it wasn't supposed to be moving and oil leaks it wasn't supposed to be oil leak because it had a good detail job on it. But if you put dye in the engine, you can find leaks even over a detailed motor. It will come out, and then you can put a light on it, and you can find them. But please, please, please check these vehicles out before you actually buy a used one. And now with the amount of recall they got on them, oh, my God. So, yeah, good luck. uh, Certainly, I would recommend anybody that buys a, a used car, say from a dealership, whatever, uh, you might want to consider buying a, a, a little a warranty, maybe a three years, because you can tell them what mm-hmm. a new transmission is going to cost them, an engine right there, because there's no way to, especially on a transmission, especially uh, many of these cars uh, no longer have a dipstick on it, so you can check the oil on it. Uh, some of the manufacturers say that they're good for seventy, seventy-five thousand. Well. You know, if you heat up oil, you know, sooner or later it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to turn colors and it's going to get a little uh, little heavy. Uh, and so <clears throat> this is why, you know, the again, you have expert advice from, from, from reputable uh, repair shops, and hopefully consumers listen to that. If you buy a used car, make sure you buy at least a three- or five-year extended warranty because in the long run it's going to, it's going to save you lots of dollars and a lot of headaches. Uh, but, as, you know, buyer beware if you buy a used car from uh, individuals. You're right, Jerry. You just don't know whether why that person is selling that car. Normally it's not going to be because they got tired of it. Most likely they uh probably having some intermittent problems with that vehicle. Right, right. That's a good recommendation, Jess. But All do you right, have any other questions for, uh, for gasoline or, or diesel? Yeah. Uh, for... Top-tier fuel versus a standard fuel. Now, I've, I've hollered about this, and I've explained it the best way that I know how. Um, what is the difference between, and also, how much octane, you and I had this conversation one time. You say gasoline starts to drop the octane rating when it gets in the pipelines and starts running around the country, right? Well, the, point A to um, point B. When it gets on the pipeline, Jerry, all gasolines get shipped as conventional gasoline. Uh, there's no uh, special blends put into that or ethanol. Right. All that is blended mm-hmm. uh, at the terminals. Uh, like if if you go to the T- Tucson terminals here in Tucson, they it's called a rack where they have a big garage and there's big trucks that load under, underneath these, these racks on it. And so conventional gasoline is loaded, and then uh, of course it based on 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 how many gallons you're you're dispensing automatically, it then it will then blend 10% ethanol right into that fuel. 
Now, if you have mm -hmm. a major brand, then that brand selection, whatever the major brand is, it will inject the preparatory type of uh, cleaning agent that classifies it as a top-tier fuel. It, it, the secret sauce that may, may uh, keep your car running and engine performance at top peak, uh, decarbonizing uh, uh, some of the internal engine parts, injectors, and carbon buildup, whatever on it. But that's the difference on top-tier fuel. Not not all uh, retail operations have top-tier. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the major brand that I do know and I'm, I'm aware of is Sunoco. Sunoco is the only station here in Tucson uh, at the, uh, the northwest uh, corner of Country Club and, and Irvington Road. All their fuels uh, are top tier because they put their extra blend uh, into, the, into the fuels that consumers can buy here in Tucson. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there, there's a lot of them around now. Costco's one, uh, QT's one. And right. you can go to the website, Top Tier Fuel Suppliers, and you can pull it up and it'll give them the ones in your location. But the car manufacturers are recommended top tier fuels now. Uh, because the standard of the old old standard on it, they haven't upgraded that son of a gun in what forty years, right? As far as the attitude is going in it, Jess, right? So you know you you can run it, uh, and also the car manufacturers are recommending a fuel additive at every oil drain interval, uh, but some of the oil drain intervals are ten thousand miles. Uh, I say, you know, around 5,000, you may want to put a, a bottle of uh, engine gasoline treatment in it. Mm -hmm. and But don't overdo it because it's a waste of money, and then after a while you'll have more additive in there than you will fuel if you don't run the tank empty. These things are set up to go. They will tell you how many gallons a can treats, and that is treat from the 20. 20 gallons, it'll treat 20 gallons all the way to zero and you run out of gas. It, it'll treat to 20 gallons. If you fill up at a quarter of a tank and you put another can in it, see what I'm saying? So yeah. don't put a full can in it if you're going to just put three quarters of a tank in it. And always put your fuel treatment in before you put your gas in. And that'll mix it up real good and it'll be instant when you get ready to pull away. Uh, for the people driving these motorhomes out here that park them like I do, uh, make sure you put a stay bill or something in your fuel tanks and run. If you got a generator on that coach, make sure you run the generator to get that stay bill all the way into the engine on the generator. And that'll preserve it. Same way with boats. If you're parking a boat for winter time, man, it'd be nice if you've got, if you can do it at the lakes or put it in and go to the lakes. I don't care. Just have some stable in there. Then when you come out and you shut that thing down, the next season when you get ready to start it up, at least it'll start and it won't be running a lacquer thinner. So that's that'll that'll keep you RVs and your your toys up and running. Uh, Jess, on the um, standard gasoline. Now, I, I don't think I asked you the right question a while ago. Does the fuel coming in? Uh, now, they are you telling me that they actually put the octane rating into the fuel once they get to the tank? Is this correct? No, the the octane rating is at uh, at uh, is on conventional fuel uh, before they put the 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 say the ethanol in because as you know, 
the infanol actually will increase that octane uh, percentage on it, right? And so when when right. that is done, say whatever station has it, then the octane rating has to meet specifications by what the state requires. And so based on the percentage of ethanol is put into it with the conventional gasoline, it'll give them whatever percentage that, that is that is allowed by by state by state basis. Okay, good. Good. That was my question on it because that's that was a little bit of confusion there. Uh yeah. I do know that gasoline starts to deteriorate. Uh people will buy Ten gallons and put it down at the barn when it's on sale, and then they'll gradually <laughs> use it over a period of time. And when they do, this fuel is sitting there in the cans with the Arizona sun and just the heat. And that fuel is just like sitting in your boat and the gas tank in your boat or your gas tank in your car. If you're going to store fuel, make sure you put something in it to help help it retain its ability to run an engine when you do pour it in your boat or you pour it in your car or whatever. But So the protection on this fuel that you've got out of the pump, it's, it, it has like a shelf life, and so it, it changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. What else yeah, do you have? Do you, what else, Jess, well, do you yeah, have? Yeah, we're talking about, you know, public? storing uh, gasoline in the, in the tank and then, Put it uh, in an area that uh, may be uh, getting uh, uh, too much heat from the from the sun. It's just like if humans eat a, a bowl of beans, right? And of course, uh, you're going to increase uh, the HCD, humic combustible discharge, inside your belly. It's got a good thing we have a release valve, you know where, to get rid of the extra mm-hmm. gases. But uh, but uh, and but of course, good thing we don't have any barns around Tucson. <laughs> Uh, but if you recall back in '73 when you had the gas gasoline shortages, boy, I, I recall working at Gilworth and Chevron at that time. I said people would come in with 55 gallon and fill up their tanks if they could, but it was rationed, and so the the maximum they can get at that time was 50 gallons. So a lot of people did that, but it's, you know, it's dangerous because uh, even today, people that that may uh, use gasoline for their power blowers, whatever on it, uh, especially if they put it back of the truck, which may create static, right? <laughs> and I've seen it, right? Just by that that plastic can vibrating around, and if, if those caps aren't properly tight, boy, I've seen vehicles, you know, light up in the back of those trucks, uh, get on fire just because of the static uh, discharge that, that ignites uh, the fumes in, in tanks. So, uh, so if you do so, uh, what I've always done, is put a wet rag and put the the gas can on top of it. This way, you eliminate any type of static uh, that may ignite, you know, uh, fuel tanks. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Now we were talking about the um, algae that goes in diesel fuel. Now yeah. I'm struggling right now to come up with the name that we used to use all time. I want to call it Power Plus. Yeah, Power. Uh, uh, I know uh, that uh, is uh, Power Serve. I think. Uh, I used to buy it from Merle's Automotive, right? Yeah. And uh, and uh, Merle Suppos was the owner. Then, uh, and of course, uh, I would buy it by the case. So we had uh, individuals come in and they uh, power service and they put a cordon into their diesel tank and it did what what you said about adding a fuel additive to clean the internal combustion engine, but also the injector inside a, a diesel uh, vehicle. Well, I don't I don't think the public knows what that. Um 
uh, algae in a tank actually looked like. My guys pulled it out, poured it in a uh, drain pan, and brought it and set it on my desk because I figured that since I run so much diesel fuel through my diesel, I shouldn't have any of this stuff sitting there. Wrong. It looked like jello water, just mm-hmm. like jello water before it ever sets up into jello. And that stuff, once it gets and it builds up on the bottom of the tank and then it starts hitting the pickup tubes and then it starts instead of pumping gasoline or diesel fuel through it, then it's pumping something like um jello water through it and that puts a stress on everything and starts plugging everything powerservice.com hello <laughs> excuse me hello go to powerservice.com hello hello yeah jesse you still there or did hello. we lose you <laughs> i hope jim is still with me jim are you with me uh-huh I'm still here. Hey guys. Yeah. Okay. We, well, we Jim's still there. Um, we we lost Jesse we lost? though. Yeah. He his phone dropped. Phone call dropped. So. Oh. Okie dokie. All right. Well, Jesse, if you're still listening to the radio, sorry we did lose you, buddy. Sorry we lost you. But you can go to powerservice.com, powerservice.com, and look up the uh, for the algae killer for diesel fuel. It, it's a website. And it's a good site to go if you have a diesel and you want to find out about the other products that Power Service has and what it can do to your improve your diesel performance or keep it clean. Another way you can do the get the allergy out of the diesel tank is go down to Tucson Fuels, I think it is. It's on 22nd Street. And get the B5, B as in boy, 5. Five gallons. Five uh, percent of the biofuel will clean the allergy out of that tank. It clean it just about anything out of that tank, but it takes the lubricity back to 1986 with only five percent. So it takes the lubricity back. The engine runs a little quieter, and it's it's a way to go. And it's not that much difference in the price of fuel. So if you're going to run and you don't, you can't remember power service, but you do want to get the algae out of the bottom of your tank and have a system that really cleans that tank, then you can go to biofuel. Do not run 99% biofuel in your diesel, your medium-sized diesels that has a dirty system because you will have to buy a case of fuel filters and keep it in the seat next to you if you do to get through one tank it took me three filters to get through one 26 gallon tank on my 99 dodge and that's how much garbage it had in it i didn't even realize it so Keep your algae treated. It will grow. You got a diesel. I don't care what year diesel you got. I don't care what they tell you. You have allergy buildup in the bottom of that diesel fuel. It's the nature of the beast. So get in the habit. You guys out there chauffeuring these diesel pushers around in these motorhomes, just remember what I'm telling you because that sucker quits on the side of the road because everything is plugged up. Um, that is one heck of a tow bill. Isn't that right, Jim? That is one heck of a tow bill. That's right. And that algae is particularly bad on a diesel that sits. What happens is the the diesel and the water separate, and the algae lives in the water in the bottom of the tank, and 
it is a guaranteed fuel filter plugger. I mean, I've never seen anything stop a fuel filter as good as algae in a diesel tank. It, it is effectively a stopping your fuel filter, plugging it tight, which means you're going to be setting stop dead. So if you, if you're, especially motorhomes, they sit for six months, you don't use them or they're getting used a couple times a year, really critical to uh, maintain that. Because, um, you know, you're going to fill that thing up. It's got 200 gallons in it, and you just don't want to throw out 200 gallons of diesel just because there's some algae in there. So that's uh, really critical. Also, if, if you're going to come visit the tank farms, which is where I live, right in the middle of the tank farm, the road is tore up. <laughs> so be aware, if you want to come down here and visit the tank farm, uh, it's uh, the road's tore up. So come next week after the road's fixed. Oh, they're doing a re- they repairing the road there now. Well, what they're doing is um, so under under right under us is the are the pipelines. So the pipes go from the there's I don't know twenty five tanks around us, and so every tank is hooked to a, what's basically a a pipe head, when and there's this mm-hmm. elaborate um, control mm-hmm. mechanism that controls all the fuel from from different uh, manufacturers and different types of fuels that that hit each tank. So each tank stores diesel or gasoline or jet fuel, pretty much what it is. Just like Jesse said, mm-hmm. it's all the same fuel, with the exception of diesel is different yeah. than gasoline. And jet fuel is different than diesel fuel. So, um, But there's these lines that run all all around the ground, and so they're they're working on the lines. They're tearing them up and replacing them, I think, before they, before they really tear up the road, because they're, they're going to tear up this road and, and redo something to it. So, just just so you know, if you want to come visit the tank farm, it's yeah. quite interesting. It's you know, it's a shame. I've actually been through the been through the been through the entire system through Kinder Morgan system, and I've because well because we tow out of their place, and I've been to their into mm-hmm. this control room, and it's actually quite quite fascinating. It's quite fascinating on how they do it, and it's really there's a lot that goes into it that you don't even think about or know because well it's what their job is and they just do it every day just like you go to your job every day so it's it is quite elaborate and quite quite sophisticated on how they how they manage fuel in and around the tucson area so but just be aware you have to come drive well, the, the road store up <laughs> okay all right well before i forget it we have three family four packs of tickets one two and three phone calls just call the station at 520-719-1490. And they've got uh, the NASCAR trucks and the pro stocks and some other divisions there tonight. The gates open at 5 o'clock. Racing starts at 6.30 at Tucson Speedway down on South Houghton around the corner from the drag strip. For callers 1, 2, and 3. Whoever calls in on one, two, and three, you have a a family four-pack. In other words, you can take yourself and three other people and go to the races for free. And that's about a $60, $65, package per. So it's worth, well worth the in the show, and the weather's going to be good, so you'll enjoy it. I'd like to thank Jesse since he dropped off the line. Uh, like to thank Jesse Lugo for the information on the gasoline, and uh, he's uh, always available, and I can get a hold of him and let him know when we need to uh, talk about the gasoline. Today, he called in on his own. I did not notify him. So thank you, Jess. Appreciate it. Uh, 
Automotive Specialist Brian Fuller, 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, Meredith and Ina. Uh, Brian's phone number to shop is 520-237-3852, 520-237-3852 to Automotive Specialist. Uh, well, 237, that's his cell number, 572-1734, prefix 520. 572-1734 is Brian's shop number. But you can get a hold of Mr. Test First on Guest by calling his Brian cell number, too. Uh, you can go to his website, Automotive Specialist, AZ.com. Brian is uh, penciled in for the next weekend, and uh, he's uh, he's got a, a program planned, actually. So I, that's going to be interesting. I want to see what he comes up with. But he's still out in the middle of the garage with hands-on and he's he's busier than a son of a gun. But that would be automotive specialist. And now when you go to the east side or midtown, you want to go to Parker Automotive Service Center, 5101 East Speedway, 323-1960, parkerautoaz.com. Full-service facility like Simmons, like automotive specialist, but he's located midtown at 5101 East Speedway. Uh, he's not open on a Saturday or Sunday. He's like me and Brian. He tries to give the guys two days off so they'll be rested up by Monday morning. Uh, ParkerAutoAZ.com, 323-523-1960-1960 for Parker Automotive. Good place, good place. And then... Lens Auto Brokerage, lensautobrokerage.com. They've got an excellent website. You can find them on there easy. It's easy to navigate. shows their inventory. If you want to go kick a tire, go to 2101 North Stone Avenue, 628-7500. They are open today. And also they had desertrv.com, desertrv.com. And they specialize in toy haulers. I did talk to Dana over there this past week, and he said they have a bunch, a bunch of Jeeps. They have a, a ton of Jeeps. They have 15 passenger, two 15 passenger Ford vans, and for the people looking for people haulers, they have a four by four Quigley modified 15 passenger. That's a four wheel drive. They have older Duramax. They have a couple of six, seven, three-quarter ton Ford diesels, and they have the gas misers, and they have a quite. They've got a bunch of Subarus and the, all different makes and models, and that would be at Lens Auto Brokerage over on 2101 North Stone Avenue. All right, back to you, Jim. Uh, Where are we at? About, uh... Don't, well, don't forget about Javier at Ina Road Collision. Spectrum? I thought I did. Spectrum. I, you think you missed him. But Spectrum, it again. Ina Road Auto Collision. Yeah. 744-4454. Anything you have to do with a body. Anything you have to do with the exterior of your car. Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision. 744-4454. So I think we got all of them in now. We can go back for the last, you know, 15 minutes or so and do finish the show. Um, 
We have, don't forget, uh, the phone number on our tickets is 520-719-1490. Okay, it's going to be a good show tonight, people, a real good show. All right, we were down, and thanks again, Jesse, for being on today, Guy. Appreciate the information. Um, Super helpful. You know, uh, we we covered the lights in the first hour. The light, the lighting on your car. The lighting on your car is a communication thing, and that's one thing you want to. The days are getting shorter. Uh, turn on your lights when it gets dusk. It's hard to see these little cars because you got different colors, and you can see me because I got my lights on, but I can't see you because you don't have your lights on. So it's a it's it's a full time driving job, which I do anyway, but. I don't know if the next guy that you're meeting is going to be able to see you, and he may decide to pass me while I'm driving out the road, and voila, you got a mess. Uh, frequent things that uh, you check on your vehicle, dashboard indicator lights on. You want to check those, son of a gun. You want to check every light on your vehicle exterior, headlights, turning signals, brake lights. Everything you got on the outside of your car needs to be working. Tire inflation and conditions. These are the most frequently checked things or should be. Windshield washer fluid. Windshield washer fluid. Because that has a UV protector in there. And if if you should use about, I'd use mine once a week. I'd just turn them on and let them go just to get the water on them. And then the engine oil level. Check your engine oil level. You can do that every once a month. If you're burning oil or you're losing oil, then, of course, you want to check it about once a week. But if you're driving a normal vehicle, you can check it, start checking it every 30 days. And just if you don't know where the dipstick is, just go ahead and pull it into Parker, Automotive Specialist, or Simmons and ask them to show you, and we'll show you where it's at. But automatic transmission fluids, we alluded to that earlier. Uh, that fluid, uh, some of it will go, they say, oh, you just drive it. It'll go 150,000 miles. That's supposed to be the lifetime. Okay, five years, 150,000 miles. I finally got that somebody to actually tell me what the lifetime of this stuff is. The batteries and cables, the battery's average life in Tucson is 24 to 30 months. I have a car that just runs 40 months on a battery. And that wasn't because I wasn't paying attention. That was because I wasn't paying attention. So it did run 40 months instead of the uh, 24 to 30. So I got 10 more months out of it. Hooray for me. But it did leave me sitting, too. So watch the, the debris. Watch the liquid that shows up on top of your battery. Batteries do not leak. If it's leaking, there's either an overcharge issue going on with the system or you've got a short in one of the cells. So get that checked out before it leaves you setting. And that battery acid on top of that battery will corrode your terminals, and it'll give you the same effect as not being able to recharge the battery through the alternator system, or it will just flat quit, and then you're in trouble. So be sure and watch that. Uh, Your belts, look at your belts. Look at the serpentine belt. Serpentine belts, now they'll go about four years. Look at it with the engine off. And 
reach in, get the belt, turn it up to where you can see the bottom, the the uh, grooves on the belt, and see if there's any cracks or see if there's any of those uh, the grooves, any cracks on the belt. They say, oh, you're allowed two inches per uh, Two cracks per inch. No. If I wanted cracks in my belts, I would have ordered it that way. So pay attention to that. If you, Especially if you're getting ready to go on a trip. Change that daggone thing out so it don't leave you in the middle of nowhere. Um, engine air filters. Air filters in Tucson, check them about every 90 days because of the, uh, the heavy winds and dust and stuff that we have blowing around. Uh, your exhaust, pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, your catalytic converter is guaranteed for 100,000 miles, so you shouldn't have to worry about it unless the engine has a dead cylinder miss in it, and then you can take a catalytic converter out in about 30 days. Uh, hoses. Hoses last anywhere from four to five years now in these cars. Uh, so if you're sitting on about five years and get ready to go to New York, you may want to have your hoses checked by a professional and make sure that they're going to get you there and back. Because I'm telling you something, when the water goes out of that darn thing, it will tighten up the engine. It'll stop you on the side of the road. And you probably don't have another two radiator hoses or the water to fill it back up with when you get uh, get to where uh, you need it. Power steering fluid, power steering fluid. I'd, I'd flush the power steering fluid about once every three years. Power steering fluid is just like any other fluid in a car. It does wear out. It does get contaminated. And that's what takes out your power steering pump. So flush that thing about every three years. Tire inflation, check it, uh, you know, once every 30 days. Check your tire pressures. You know, I don't care what version you use. If you think you're good enough to go around on one of these low-profile tires and check the uh, tire pressures, you're probably going to be off about 20 to 25 pounds. You're going to have less in there than what it calls for. Be sure and check your spare tire if you're still fortunate enough to have a spare tire in your car. Windshield washer fluid, that's one of the most frequently checked things because when it goes dry, uh, you don't have any lube going on there. And then when you rake that uh, wiper across the sand, it tr- grinds off the bottom of your wiper blade. So do that, and you should be you should be pretty comfortable, at least with a little stuff. There's some other stuff later on. But if you go to a shop and have a oil service, and I mean you go in and you get an oil service, where they check the car out. Anything that goes with an oil service will be including a lube of chassis if you have the grease search. It'll be an inspection of the chassis while it's up in the air. They'll look for any oil leaks that's coming down off the engine, and they'll write it down and tell you about it, and then at least you know. And any water seepage coming out of the water pump that's visible to the eye while they're under the bottom of the unit, They'll tell you about that. Any leaks you have coming off the connections to the hoses, to the radiator or heater hoses or any of that other will be checked. So you'll get all of that in writing, and then you can do some of it. You may be able to do all of it, but at least you'll have a second opinion on it because we have a tendency to kind of forget things because it's running really good. It's just run like a sewing machine. Well, how long has it been running like a sewing machine? 
Spark plugs is the other thing we need to take a look at. Spark plugs, are they'll pretty much go 100,000 miles if everything else is working like it's supposed to. I mean, if all your spark plug wires, if you still have wires or coilovers, if they're still performing the way they should, then your spark plug should be burning pretty clean down in the cylinders. Uh, if you have a miss, you need to find out and don't overlook the spark plug. Pull one of them out, the easiest one to get to. And some of them are a pain in the butt. Most of them are still, you'll have one exposed you can get to. Pull it out, take a look at it, check the clearances in it, the settings on it. And then if it looks good, put it back in. If it's burnt out, it burnt the end off the electrode, then it's time to have all of them replaced. And it may not be 100,000 miles. It may be 60,000. It may be 80,000. And if you have a Hemi, well, sorry about that. You need to check yours at 30,000 miles because we've had to replace them. And by the way, a Hemi has 16. They don't have, uh, they don't have eight spark plugs. They have 16. So it gets a little bit expensive. I remember spark plugs used to be 75 cents a piece. That's how old I am. Right now, I think they go anywhere from about 750 for the minimum up to about 1750 or $20, or depending on what you want to pay for a spark plug. But if you'll do that, you should be able to drive along without having the aggravation. Check your tires. Make sure the air is up on it. Check your spare. Make sure you have a good spare and the air is up on the spare. Make sure you have a jack that is working and you know where all the components are. Make sure you have a little block of wood or one of these little uh, uh, plastic uh, stands that they sell at uh, RV places and keep them with you for bad sand or weak sand or weak mud or something like that that you need to have something to go on the jack so that you can use it. Uh, carrying an extra little cheap uh, or a jack stand in the back of your car on a road trip in case you have a problem, uh, then that's a safety item that will keep that thing from falling on you. Remember when you pull a tire off, pull a tire off from the bottom out first. Put it back on with the bottom last to go in. Make sure the top of the tire is in against the car. In case the car falls, it won't shoot the tire out at you. It'll take it right down. So and do that and you'll be safe. All right. You got anything you want to add on that? I don't even know what time it is. I don't I don't know how uh, much time we got that. Well, almost a quarter. Oh, yeah. We got time. We got plenty of time. Okay. Yeah. So you covered, you covered a, man, a ton of stuff there. So I'll, I'll start at the beginning with batteries. Um, remember, uh, when you're checking your batteries, remember, some cars have two batteries. Two battery systems have been around since, what, the 50s, when they were convert, when they did dual oh, yeah. 6 volts in, um, to make 12. So, so some cars yep. have two batteries. Some have that. I have a, well, and diesels have two batteries. Okay. Let's, if, if you have a bad, one bad diesel battery, you have two bad diesel batteries. Because you could change one out right. and rest assured that other one's going to kill the brand new one you just put in. So, um, and the diesel. Well, mine has one, one battery. One battery. Yours only has one. Oh, geez. Mine only has either. one. It's as big as a small engine, but it has one. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. And so, Most, but yeah, I did have the two. one. Try, try jumping one. Try jumping a diesel that has twin batteries. 
Oh, that is it, a, about an eight-hour process. Yeah. So anyway, well, go ahead. And, You're doing fine. And di- and diagnosing uh, batteries, dual battery systems. But but in a in a cars, a lot of the new cars, especially high end, have the main have a main battery, the start battery, and then they have the little the little lawnmower battery that runs the that runs all the other stuff that runs the computers, just right. like an electric car. So. That that little that little uh, little twelve volt uh, lawnmower battery, which is hidden up in the in the valent up in, up under the cowling, underneath the windshield wipers or wherever they stick it, because it isn't convenient. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not convenient. That will throw you for a loop. You can think your battery's dead and check it, and it's working, but that car won't run, or it's throwing all kinds of lights because that little battery has died, and those little batteries die at a faster rate. Because they're little batteries and they don't last as long. So, lucky for you. Now, the good thing about the little battery is it's just as expensive as the big battery. So you can pay just as much for that little guy, you know, as you can for that big guy. So, uh, but it's really important that you check those, especially the terminals on those, because that the on the two battery systems, those little maintainer batteries um, have a tendency to corrode, um, and if it's like Brian Fuller says, if it throws out a bad voltage, it's gonna, you're going to have a bad day because the car's just not going to run. There are all kinds of lights, and you're not going to know what's happening. So okay. one of those, those are, it's really important. And then if you want to get into electric cars, electric cars also have a 12 volt battery to run the computer. Um, most people probably don't mess with them because electrics are new, but they have a little 12 volt battery, and they fail all the time. And when that little battery fails, I don't care how good a charge you have in your drive battery, you aren't going anywhere. And the, we see them routinely, the little, the little 12 volt battery that drives your electric car, that powers the entire computer system. When it fails, it shuts down the computer and it, a lot of times it will lock up the computer. It will, it will, what the computer sees is a low voltage signal or a bad voltage signal or a shorted voltage signal. And so it goes into protection mode and it locks itself out so no damage can happen to it. Well, that means a trip to the dealership to get it unhooked. You have to go, they actually have to go in there with a computer and tell and un, to remove the code to let a new battery work. So be aware when you have the electric, electric cars doing the, Doing that little phobo battery isn't always as easy as you think. So they're really, really sensitive, and we we see them a lot. Um, hose, well, the hose, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go oh, so ahead. So hoses. So so hoses. All right. So Jerry covered hoses. There are hoses you need to check. You know they can they can split and fray in a in a minute. Um, it's when you're looking at hoses, they're they live in a in a, an environment that's what 300 degrees most of the day, 250 degrees under the hood, just cooking along. Um, visual inspection of hoses is really good because you can see if they're weeping around fittings or connections. But um, with the engine off and cool, it, sometimes it's really helpful to put your hand under the hose and see if there's any any cracks or if if you can't, you know, if, you, if you're unsure, put your phone down, you know, and take a picture of the back side of the hose and then look at the picture. Because sometimes the hose lays next to the motor where it gets hot 
And um, they do a pretty good job trying not to make it that way. But a lot of times those hoses receive a lot of heat from the backside, so they're, they're, they're more prone to crack on the bottom side than they do on the top. So as that, as the heat, because the bottom side gets so, so hot just from the engine heat, you'll see, you'll see distortion and wear. And if you, t- if you look at that, that's why you run your hand down it. Sometimes you can feel them. But if you can't, a mirror works good. I use a mirror, but if you, you know, today's everybody uses their phone for everything. Put your phone under there and take a picture of it, and then you can blow it up and look at it, or lo- look at the connections and see if it's, um, see if there's um, any leakage or any any kind of um, area that could result in a future a future leak. Because if you can catch it first, you're in great shape. Um, and that's you know, and again, like Jerry said, if it's fluid, change it. Doesn't matter how many miles you got on your car. If it's, if, it's, if you if you if you got twenty thousand miles on your car and it's ten years old, you can change all the fluids. Doesn't really matter if it's been too long. <laughs> you need to you need to change it. Yeah. By the same token, if you got a, a twenty twenty and it's got a hundred thousand miles on, you should change your fluids, <laughs> including your antifreeze because it wore it's worn out. <laughs> um, That's and, right. So so it goes both ways. If if you got an old car that you know you barely drive. Um, you need to change your fluids. If you got a new car and you drive the drive the wheels off it, you need to change fluids. Um, fluid changing, um, you know, it's we say do it. You know, changing the fluid sometimes is a real pain. You know, getting getting doing the radiator uh, fluid transfer or transmission fluid exchange sometimes is is better left to somebody that's got the equipment to do it. I've done them, and I, and I can tell you from experience, I've done the, the power steering fluids flush, right? All right? So I went to pull the the return line hose off the power steering pump because I just was going to clean it out, put new fluid in, let the old fluid run into a, into a bucket, right? But you know what I did? I pulled it off and broke the back of the power steering pump housing. And you know what that means? That means I'm buying a new power steering pump. Yep. Well, so a so twenty dollar flush turned into a five hundred dollar repair because you know I didn't know what I was doing and I should have you know or I should have taken the hose off a different way or I should have should have done something. So if you're unsure before you just reach in and start yanking, you know, be aware that a simple a simple maintenance item can result in a huge um, repair bill because now you broke the part and and it's, and maybe you can. Change the pump yourself. I mean, I did on mine, but now you're spending a half a day chasing down a pump, you know, unbolting it, taking all the stuff off that's in a, around it, because you know, God knows that we can't just have it where we can just take three bolts off and change, take it out. We need to pop. We need a we need a right. special tool to pull the pulley off because the pulley is is pressed on. So now you have the snap-on pulley puller. Well, there you go. Uh, you've got the and then you have to have the installer to boot. You can't just have to have the remover. You got to have the installer. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get the 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 high pressure hose off. You know, hopefully you didn't lose the O ring when you took it out. Now there's all kinds of things that go wrong. So if you're gonna do this stuff, just, you know, if it if you think it's a little outside your realm, get some help or or leave it and, and call somebody. Because on my condition, and, I and broke, if you have the, broke the pump. Yep. Make sure the parts are available. That's Make sure the parts are available say. before you start your product. Oh, that's what I was just going to say. I I ran into I couldn't get the pump. Well, so now I'm down. You know, four <laughs> days waiting for a pump to show up. 
you know, so now I'm, <laughs> now I'm, you know, getting another car to drive because I broke, you know, I wanted to do something preventative, and then when I got done, the fluid was changed, guaranteed. A lot more expensive than oh, I really yeah. wanted to go for, <laughs> but so well, those are those are kind of well, just a few tips that you know I know about. Well, they're good tips, Jim. They're good tips. Uh, getting parts. I was going to say, if you're not a technician and you you like to work on your car, which everybody does, I still like to go out and pedal with mine. But <clears throat> but I have also got a few years in the industry. And I look for what can go wrong before I ever even put a wrench on anything anymore. One, am I going to bust my knuckles? Do I have the right size wrench? Do I have a metric when I needed a standard? Uh, and you just go through the process in your brain first, and then you go with the, the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't get the part and you pull it off, you're down. So my recommendation for the weekend warriors is start early Saturday morning. You can listen to the Simmons Car Care Show while you're out there working on it. I've had people do it and call me while they were under the hood. So I know it's done. But if you're going to start on a weekend project, just assume that that, if you think it's going to take you an hour, figure about anywhere from four to six hours, depending on parts availability. And so that'll give you Saturday to get all the parts there that you're going to need and get it, if you can get it put back together, fine. At least you'll have Sunday so that you can finish it out and then hopefully you'll have a way to work Monday morning. So that, I mean, not that I've ever done that. All right. We got, how much time we got there, producer? Got a minute. Got about a minute. Okay. Jim, we're closing down right now. Have you got what is your number one vehicle that you pick up on the road? What is the normal normal problem? What can you just give me a real quick answer to a number one that they're call you out for get them off the road? Other than a crash. Well, it's, it, it it actually it varies. It's it's really it really varies. People have all kinds of issues. So the best thing okay. I can tell you is is Look! Look at look at your stuff before you go. But anyways, that's about the end of the day. Everybody, have a super safe Saturday, Jerry. Pleasure having being on with you today. I really appreciate it. Hey, good information, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. Until next week, I do have Brian Fuller coming on next week, and he's got his own program planned. That ought to be interesting because he normally comes up with a bunch of weird stuff. So we'll talk to you next week, people. Enjoy the race. 